no, like there's so many great like you know voice artists out there. And because it's Mario, you didn't need to have you didn't need to go Lion King. This wasn't the B movie. Like this wasn't the B cast. You you could have just had, hey, it's a Mario movie and just had a bunch of like people nobody had ever heard of. And you're going to sell out because it's Mario. You could have made it outstanding with outstanding voice actors. You didn't have to go for Pratt anyway. Mm-hmm. I understand some fair, of these movies. I think that like. Charlie Day as Luigi might even be worse because it's just like it, it's just not the right voice to be coming out of Luigi. It's just Charlie I, from It's Always Sunny. Just like this high pitched. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you, you didn't crazy have to be. Bitch. I think those two <laughs> actors would be great together in another movie. Oh yeah, that could be I, whatever. Pick a movie, any movie, any movie <laughs> that you would want. You know that star power to draw because otherwise you wouldn't. You know, be compelled, but. Mario already has, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, I suppose we should get started with our conversation. What do you think? You guys, you guys ready to get started? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Well, hello and hey there to everybody who's already tuned in wondering what the hell they tune into. Do you have a favorite warm beverage for these cold days? How about your top ranked Snuggies? Where are your go-to one-stop shops for holiday gifts? This is the Top 5 Podcast, where nothing is off-limits, as you've already heard. And everyone is wrong, even when we think they are right. I'm your host today, Eric Shane. With me, as always, is... Zach Rancourt. Zach Rancourt. How are you, bud? Uh, I didn't even know when we were going to jump in, but I'm glad that I was I was recording that so I can get your get your rants on uh, no. the voice actors and how much you, you love Chris Pratt. No, I like him a lot. I like Chris Pratt quite a bit more than most. I just, I just, that, that anyway, that's terrible. All right. You know, <laughs> you know who else I'm sure has a strong opinion on this? It's Mr. Tom Lockhart. Hi, yes. Tom. I already stated my strong opinion and uh, yeah, Good. that's all I got. <laughs> it's like, shut up and take my money. Of course, we're going to give you money. But if we do that, aren't we feeding the beast? I'm cool with feeding the beast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I guess if we want to do something about it, we got to become filmmakers. Hey, Zach studied this stuff. Like Zach knows this. Stuff. Well, Zach will be if he'll be, you know, Tarantino, and we'll just go work for Zach. <laughs> Maybe there someday. We go. <laughs> why? Literally, why not? So, well, instead of worrying about the the future, <laughs> Mario is a little bit of a throwback to our past. So, you know, we're just thinking the other day. You know, youth, so many memories. You know, we spend our school days dreaming of when we could finally be out of that hellhole known as school. But even the least scholarly among us, those of us who just didn't like class, even those folks now would have to admit that they occasionally yearn for the simpler days. Of course, we forget that they weren't really simpler days. It was all it wasn't all back to school shopping and in class movie day, although that was the best day Uh, from our studies to family to our social lives. Everything was brand new to us and the world was so big. We all had classes we hated, classes we tolerated, classes we took just because our friends all got together and voted on which elections to take that semester. And yes, we all had classes we actually liked. Today, we're going to activate the Wayback Machine back when Mario first came out for us, and we're going to talk about our top five favorite school classes. And to enhance discussion, we didn't share a list with each other, and by no means are we experts in this or any other category. We're just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense, and I'll clarify that our rules here for this conversation, they're intentionally vague. We're, we're 
allowed to kind of keep it broad and just sort of rank subjects in school. Or we could talk about a specific class we took at any level of education. Just a little bit of a get to know us talking about our favorite classes. So, Tom, why don't you kick us off, buddy? What What is your number one on this list? Well, I'm going to start off with me being a dummy. Um, and that is weight training. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I took weight training for my freshman, junior, and half of my sophomore year. Like I just took it every semester. I had a weight training class because I played sports and it was a way to work out for sports without having yeah. to work out after school. That sounded terrible to me because I am not a big fan of working out. Um, I don't like to run. I used to be good at running, but I didn't like it. I've never gotten a runner's high or anything like that. But yeah. weight training, I, w- I was I was in shape in high school. I, I know it doesn't look it anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> I used to be able to do crazy things like bench 260 pounds and only weigh 160 pounds. Like I could do that. Now I I would be shocked if I could like bench like 150 pounds. I'd be, I'd be (laughs) pumped with myself. Uh, In weight training class in the freshman year, I set the freshman record with 42 pull-ups in a row. Um, Now I can't do a pull-up. I would love to do a pull-up. That's a dream of mine. Uh, but yeah, uh, I really need to get back to working out and it, it like, ah, this, this wasn't meant uh, to depress you. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just this one, because I, I do enjoy being in shape. It's just so much work to be in shape. It is a lot of work. (laughs) No, I remember a time when you were, you were quite the athlete when we were kids. I was never really. And I was, I played sports and I was good at them, but I wasn't like a pristine, I didn't really work at it. I didn't like go to the, I wish I had taken weight training instead of ROTC. I wish I had taken weight training with you. I would have learned more. I would have, you know, I, I really wish I had done that. But yeah, I, I remember I used to be able to run a mile below seven minutes. Like I think six, like 32 was my fastest one. And the last mm. time I tried to run the mile, uh, it was 12 minutes when I finished lap three and then I did not finish <laughs> like Fast. it was 12 minutes to get three quarters of a mile. And then I was like, I'm done. <laughs> fastest mile, fastest mile I ever ran was I think seven nineteen. Nice. Was the fastest I ever ran. I was in the army, I think seven nineteen, And I think I finished, it was a two mile run. I finished in just under 15 with the, that's good. the fastest I've ever been in my life. So, Oh uh, yeah, we used to be young. Remember when we were young and spry and all that. Uh, I liked weight training. Best. I was that's where I, I found my love for the gym. Even though I went in there like a douchebag and would just do bench press and then like arm stuff and neglected you legs. You don't know any better when you're that age, you know. Yeah, that's true. And then <clears throat> as I got older, I focused way more on leg stuff. But it's still, it's still fun to do. You got more various, muscles in your legs. Various things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's that's. I mean, it, you learn. Th- lifelong lessons in there, right? So that's good. That's important. Uh, I'm going to talk about on my first one, pretty much the opposite of that. (laughs) I'm going to go in a totally scholarly direction and I'm just going to keep it broad on this one and say history. History was my favorite subject in school. Uh, Tom, you probably already know this because you've come to enough, enough of my trivias on Thursday (laughs) nights at Lake Stevens Brewing. You know, I always have some history questions in there. Uh, And our team is terrible at it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sorry. 
Sucks to suck. Um, yeah. I loved history. I always, I was one of those kids that when, you know, grandpa would tell a story, I'd, I'd be just wrapped paying attention. I, I love those old stories. I love reading old newspapers. I love reading old books. I, I, I absorb history. Uh, it was one of my favorite subjects in middle school when we studied early American history, uh, like the American Revolution up through the Civil War. That was probably my all-time favorite single class of it. Uh, but I also took art history when I went to ITT Tech. That was great. I love that class. I wasn't much of an art fan. I'm still not, but uh, mm-hmm. art history was fascinating. Um, history of engineering was really, really cool because it was it was mostly like American engineering. It was basically uh, the advent of machine building and factory building and the relationship between labor, government, and society, which is a really fascinating you know thing, like when Ford did his thing. And then there was the question of, uh, from an engineering standpoint, is your if if you can design a machine that could take the jobs, mm-hmm. do you have a do you do you have a responsibility to the company to make it every last nickel, or do you also need to weigh some other you know societal concerns on top of that? That was a big discussion. Um, exploration and empire is another one uh, talking about the history of. Uh, uh, well, the history of exploration that was a really fun subject. So history is something that. I'll read for fun. I'll listen to podcasts about history, like Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I just, I absorb it. I love it. Um, there are classes that I excelled at in school. Most of, most of them I didn't. <laughs> there were some that I excelled at, and there are some that I was interested in. I've always been interested in science. I love, like, cosmos and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not particularly, like, you know, I'm not uber fascinated in it. The thing that you do, even when you don't have to, that's what you're fascinated in history. I can read that, write about that, talk about that, argue about that all day. I love history. I think, you know, history channel itself before it got into like ancient aliens and all that stuff. And then just the reality TV shows had some really fun stuff. And I remember in middle school, you know, some of my favorite classes were history based classes and we would watch certain VHSs about, uh, you know, like how, how the Aztecs were built and all that kind of stuff without the alien. Yeah, bullshit. But, you know, uh, actual VHS tapes. And it just was so neat. Uh, Indiana Jones, you know, I, I, w- I was watching this video today um, that a guy was saying he's he's like pound for pound. If someone were or like if they were to hold a gun to my head and say, do you like the Star Wars franchise or the Indiana Jones franchise franchise better? He's like 100 percent Indiana Jones True. because, you know, I don't disagree with him necessarily. They're so the Indiana Jones movies are about adventure and history, albeit it's it's a little um uh, they take liberties with the history, so it's sure. revisionist, but it's it's fun. It's it's adventure filled, and that's what it should be. Like we're learning, but also there's danger involved in all of these, and that's why we like things like National Treasure too, where you do get bits of history, albeit they took a lot of liberties. And sure. so, um, I I love the shit out of it, man. Washington State history was was one of my favorite classes in school too, just with how much we have here for like mm-hmm. the indigenous peoples. Uh, you know, we're a hot box for for all that rich history here and you can just go explore as much as possible um i mean we're part of the uh the oregon trail man we're part of the the um trade routes out here the lewis and clark trail so it's 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 phenomenal you look on a map and you look at that history of exploration and empire this is this right here where we are in the pacific northwest is the last corner on earth where those two realities melded finally that's so Um, cool that's so cool to think yeah this is all still new out here 
It really is. We're we're the infancy of our country is, is one thing compared to the world, but th- the fact that Washington State is is only you know 150 years old or however long. You can go um, hike. You can go hiking up on these trails. Some of these trees are older in this country. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Every time I see a gigantic tree, I, I think about that, and I'm like, man, this thing has been growing for hundreds of years, and yeah. it's it's phenomenal to think like, what was here? How did these trails get built? I know that they were logging routes, but I just you know even that topical um, history that's so, or a recent history, I should say. But when yeah, I go, go up like lime kiln trail, you go up lime yeah. kiln, you see some of the old tools still sitting out there. Yep. When I go to, when I travel international, I go to like Europe and, and, and stuff. And I see things from like the, the year a thousand and five or something. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit, how is this still around? There were like medieval knights out here battling and stuff. And it's just incredible to me. That's one of the reasons I want to go to Europe and just do that sort of sightseeing out there because I haven't been out there. It's one of those things. So, so fun. You'd love it. I I'm, I know I would. Tom, how do you feel about history? I've stated many times on this podcast, <laughs> I do not care about history. And, and it's not like I don't like it. I just don't think about it. Like it just yeah. none of that pops into my head when I'm looking at something. I'm not like, ooh, I'm just like, huh, that's a thing. If somebody were to tell you, an <laughs> that's where my brain stops. Okay. If somebody were to tell you an interesting anecdotal story, that might catch your attention. But uh, memorize- I mean, I'll, here's the thing: I'll listen to it, <laughs> sure, no, but I will not keep any of that knowledge in my brain. It'll be like, okay, cool story, and off we go to our next thing. <laughs> really? Okay. Yep. I just don't hold those things in my brain. All right, everybody's brain works differently. You know, we're going to talk quite a bit about that in this uh, episode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, history is my number one. Uh, Zach, what about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a great one. History, I was thinking about that. Um, I was going to put it on my list, but I think, however, I need to go more specific. So in high school, uh, one of my teachers, uh, Stacy Lewis, she's still a good friend of mine. She taught my senior year this this very epic class. Um, one could say that it was heroic. In fact, it was called Heroic and Epic Literature. Mm. And what we did is we studied things like Star Wars and The Lord of the Rings and The Odyssey. Uh, stuff like that, where you learn about, you know, Joseph Conrad's um, uh, her- hero's journey. In that. Oh, sorry, not Joseph Conrad. Um, okay. Joseph Campbell. I'm stupid. Mm. Yeah, you learn about Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey. And we and we discuss all that kind of stuff. And it was so cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, we watched certain movies, but a lot of it was based off of uh, books that became films that became books again and so on and so forth uh, but it, it was great it was such a fun class i love learning about that you know you do get into some of the history stuff so anything like with the greek mythology you can you can dig into the epic and heroic uh course that that would be but yeah it was a great class i love the shit out of it absolutely i well i i'll give tom a chance to dive in here if you've got any literature comments Um, I will kind of dive into just mine because it's kind of related where mine was actually the only English class that I ever got better than a C in. And that was, uh, was sci-fi. It was a class that was just science fiction literature. And it was like the first year that the, the class was ever available was my junior year. And I loved it. It's where I found my favorite book, Ender's Game. And uh, and I, this one was actually a, a sci-fi slash teacher's assistant because for that teacher, I love the class so much that I was like, can I be your teacher's assistant? So I was his teacher's assistant for uh, for 
a year after I took that class, which teacher's assistant is a great gig and everyone should do it because all you do is a lot of the time, nothing. Mm. (laughs) You create papers sometimes for them, maybe go make some copies and stuff. It's a very easy credit. (laughs) And that's why I love being a teacher's assistant. But, uh, (laughs) but, but my next one will be sci-fi because I loved that class because I never like I didn't know that that type of literature was out there because I didn't really read for fun. So it was just like I got what was in the English classes and it was like, this isn't that fun at all. <laughs> Did you like, write anything I, science fiction based? Uh, I can't remember. I think we did something. Yes. But uh, that was so long ago. I can't sure. even remember my teacher's name, even though I TA'd for him for a year. <laughs> Did you guys uh, read Dune at all? Yeah. Um, I think we did because we did Ender's Game, and I think we did Dune. Dune is fantastic. I'm, I actually have did not read it when I was younger, and so I've been reading it now. Um, but I have this terrible thing with books where I start like one or two or three, and then I stop some part way in, and it takes like a year for me to pick it back up again. And I just recently picked up Dune again, and I, I was like slamming a bunch of chapters. It's super good. I like it. It can be a little convoluted, but it flows really well. But obviously, a very, very important piece in science fiction uh, history. So I, ju- I just think of that, or like anything Michael Crichton wrote. Um, you know, those are those are the sci-fi writers that I know. I'm sure there are plenty out there that I that I don't know. Uh, but yes, that would be really fun. Yeah, oh, I had we a. Did. We did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Was the oh, third there you go. Book we did that was the other one. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, I uh, I've mentioned a couple of times. Um, I've, I've, I'm an avid reader. I like to write, and I am an English major in college. So yeah, uh, obviously, literature is on my list as well. Um, I did take a sci-fi class that I think Tom. Now that you mentioned, I think we've talked about this before. Uh, it was uh, called the. Uh, it was something about Mars. It was about Martian studies. It was about cool uh it was literature from like the late night late you know 19 whatever like uh from like early like turn of the century uh john carter of mars or princess of mars where we're thinking those canals on mars might have had water and blah 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 things that technology as it changed we know now that that's not what it was <laughs> you know it was bad <laughs> bad telescopes at the time um but it was like a whole century worth of science fiction talking about using Mars as a double for earth, taking mm-hmm. human problems and putting them on Mars. Uh, fascinating. A lot of, a lot of, I think you, you guys would have dug that class. Really, really fun. Really interesting. Um, I had in the year 2020, which was a terrible year for all of us. It was awful. It was, if there was ever a year where you could basically time travel that would have been the year to get the hell out of here. (laughs) And I feel like I did because (laughs) I was trying to finish up school. So I was going, I was just rip roaring and taking as many classes as I could. I was even going full time for a semester there. Uh, I did, uh, let's see, uh, classical backgrounds of English literature, which was everything from stuff in BC to the first few hundred years AD. Um, Survey of English literature, which was everything in English from that period on forward to like, 18th century uh the novel the form of the novel from the 1600s to the early 1800s then 19th century british fiction uh and then the science fiction like i said basically bringing it up to now 
Um, if there was ever a time to just not be in this time, that was a good time. <laughs> that was a good time to do it. I actually made the, the Dean's list one semester doing that. So that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. In- English literature was not my degree. I just, I got an English degree and I'll talk more about that with another, uh, another course of study I took later on, but yeah, of course, English literature was always fun. Uh, in, in school, I remember reading, um, uh, to kill a mockingbird. I yeah. remember that being a really impactful, uh, novel for me. Um, those were fun classes that in interesting classes that where literature is not just for um, it's not just for entertainment. I mean, you, you can learn, it can really reach you. A story is very educational. That's ancient knowledge. We've always known that sometimes we forget that. Especially at a time when we didn't have social media or the internet or any of that stuff, you know, that written word just traveled so far and had such profound impacts on people. And one of my favorite classes too, it's not on the list here, but uh, I, I was an honors student, so I was in honors English in high school. And <clears throat> how we did book reports was our teacher was great. He would, um, during class, we'd have to go back towards his desk and he'd uh, sit one-on-one with us and we'd speak quietly, but he'd read a section from uh, the book, a random location. He'd just flip through it, kind of find a good section. He'd read a few paragraphs and then you have to describe what's going on in the book to prove that you actually read it. But it opened up discussion too, which was great because especially if it was a book that he read and I mean, he's, he was very well read. So we would have a discussion afterwards and he's like, so what does that like mean for you? Or he'd ask, you know, open-ended questions. And, um, it was, it was great. And we read a lot of amazing stuff. I read Richard Wright's black boy. I read, uh, read roll of thunder, hear my cry. Um, Oh, gosh, we read Of Mice and Men, a lot of different Steinbeck, The Grapes of Wrath. Um, we did read To Kill a Mockingbird. We also read, um, shit, I can't remember, but a lot of a lot of the classics. And so it was it was great. And it just, you know, our some of our assignments were you have to read a book um, every couple weeks. And, and there was a list of, of traditional English liter- uh, novels that you could pick from. And so that was, um, that was always fun. It really kind of opened up my mind and expanded. So I agree with you. Yeah. Great. And we have an episode on our top five books that was like a year ago, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know how far back it was. It was, it was a while, while back. Go, go back and give that a listen. That was a, we, we talked about some of these titles we just mentioned. That was a good episode. So if you're also a fan of literature, go back and listen to that episode and then read a book. Literature. So, <laughs> literature. So man, that was your number one. And I think, Tom's number two and my number two. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Was yours just English literature then, Eric? Uh, English literature, yeah. All right. I will put that. Well, then I will jump to my number two. And I am not going to the books because you guys are a bunch of nerds getting Ah. paper paper cuts left and right uh, (laughs) with your pocket protectors. But what I'm going to do is I grew up in a farm town and it was was, uh, agricultural, but it wasn't... I mean, I wasn't a farmer by any stretch, but they did offer a lot of agriculture classes. And one of them was awesome. And it was one of my favorites that I still quote to this day for for random facts about the lawns or the grass, the types of grass or T-Mobile Park or Lumen Field, what types of grass they have. And that was golf course and turf grass management. It was a (laughs) two semester class where... We learned how to cultivate grass, the different types that grow on golf courses, uh, how to cut grass, how to tear apart uh, engines like uh, three stroke motors or whatever they are, um, how to drive various tractors and various uh, lawnmowers, 
how to design a golf course, the history of golf, and then just other things. And it was such a fun class. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I loved it. I learned a ton. Kentucky bluegrass, perennial rye. Yeah, I, I just it, it went on and on. And on our final for the the two semesters was we had to design our own golf course, develop our budget, develop uh, what type of grass we're going to get. And we actually had to plot it out using like a topographic map with coordinates and everything. And we had to, you know, print out these crazy designs using these architect or um, these uh, archaic computers and printers. But it was super fun. Love the shit out of it. Got my hands dirty a lot. Newton, I know how to drive a triplex mower. It's been ages, but I probably could still do it. So golf course and turf grass management. I loved it. I really, really appreciate how you have this really just esoteric <laughs> wild ass class way the yeah. hell out of that nobody would ever even think about and you're just like dude i really this was a great class oh my god i loved it well you loved it a lot of farmers there too and a lot of like grass farmers and stuff too so it it makes sense you know like we sold alfalfa and there are people that sold sodden turf i mean the sodden turf business is huge so why not get kids prepared for it and shit if i if i went a different route with my life and stuck in that type of uh, cultivation field like where i could become a grower of of turf or sod like holy crap i'd make a lot of money even like stitching together sod was really fun so Hmm. i i liked it i liked working with my hands the manual aspect of things Hmm. we have all at one point all three of us at one point of work with our hands to a certain degree yeah Yeah, you could say that they were hand jobs (laughs) (laughs) i'll insert a laugh track in there don't worry appreciate it i really appreciate that Oh, Dumb. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I I reiterate. I'm glad you had a, a really niche one there, uh, yeah, Tom. That's, I, that that's a weird one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm interested in that. It makes a lot of sense though because of where you came up. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would take a lot of agri. I'm sure over in Eastern Washington they got a bunch of classes like that. Yep. Absolutely. Over in the Palouse, I guarantee. Mm-hmm. Sure. Guarantee. All right, Tom. Me, What's your me, number three? me. My number three is one of the basics, math. I'm good at math. My brain understands math. I would crush math all the time. I was, it was like the only class that I, I was good at. And I know I got up to like, I did trig in high school. Um, and I was just, it always came easily to me when it came to like just doing math Um I remember in my freshman year, we had a teacher who was not good at explaining stuff. And I would explain stuff to my classmates and kind of just like teach them like, no, no, it's real easy. You got to And in high school, I was thinking I could become like a math teacher. Like this seems easy. Like um, I did not go that route because I realized I don't want to hang out with kids all day. That sounds terrible. <laughs> sure. I didn't look like it in high school. Why would I like to do it as a job? Um, and I'm still pretty good at math, even though I haven't really done it. Uh, just last night, uh, Whitney was doing, uh, she was studying for one of her architecture exams and in there, there's some math. And she was like, I just don't get this. And I came over and uh, and she was trying to do it. And I was just like, oh, well, you just do that and that and that. And I did your architecture. <laughs> Yay. Hey, Yay. Wow. You should be getting paid the architecture dollars. <laughs> just the math part. She does all <laughs> the stuff that keeps buildings from falling down. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I, math's just always processed well in my brain. I can do it. What's two plus two? 
shit. <laughs> you know, you I'm called so, me out. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm loving this subject because uh, my number three is calculus. Ooh, oh, shit. Uh, I got to tell you, my brain is very different from Tom's when it comes. This is one of those cat, one of those areas, man. One of those few times where Tom and I are totally different, opposite people. Um, I do not have a naturally mathematical brain. Like, yeah, logic, uh, digital logic circuits and things like that. Sure. But it's it's tough to it's tough for me. Math is not an easy subject. And mm-hmm. I was one of those students in school who I just took just as much as I had to half-assed it, got my C or D even. And I didn't care as long as I was done, I was done. But like, well, don't have to do that shit anymore. Um, part of when I was looking into engineering and I realized that, you know, you're going to have to take a lot of math. If you're going to do that, you have to know it and be good at it. Part of why I wanted to do it was the challenge of coming, basically coming from all the way back of remedial all the way through. And, uh, I plugged away, uh, through trig, like he just talked about, which is basically calculus and geometry gone crazy. Uh, you know, our algebra and algebra and geometry gone crazy, you put them together and boom, that's trig. Um, but you have to know trig. You got to learn it quick because you use trig and algebra in every single occasion in, in calculus. You have to, you know how you get good at algebra, take calculus. You won't have a choice. <laughs> you just don't have a choice. Uh, but calculus was it, the reason I'm putting it on this list is not because I was good at it. Although, I mean, I got an A, so I, was, I guess I was okay at it. Um, I took Calc 1, Calc 2, Calc 3. Calc 1, I got an A. Calc 2, I got a B minus. And Calc C or, or Calc 3, I got an A minus. So um, I, I, I was okay at it. I was I was fine at it. But to I couldn't do it right now. I have a textbook back there somewhere. I suppose I could get it out and work through chapter by chapter and be like, ah, oh, yes, yes. You know, that's how I did it. And, you know, those neural pathways, they're yeah. connected now forever because they've, they've been etched in there like – like real actual scar tissue, like real actual genuine, like blood and just etched in there with an exacto knife <laughs> that those pathways are created and formed and will be laced in there forever. Because every single week while I studied calculus, I was learning the hardest thing I had ever had to learn before every single week. And I've asked this before, think about, what is the hardest thing you've ever had to learn before? Think about that. Calculus. Okay. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and, now, and now go do it again the next week and then the next week and then the next week. And you better learn it quick because you're going to need it. You know, it's a procedural sort of thing. You have to, you have to know this material because the next, next week you're going to be using these exact same equations. And if you don't understand this, you're screwed the rest of the way. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I think the reason I put calculus on the list is because it is such an achievement. It marks such an achievement for me, but it was also such a, a light bulb uh, moment for me where it, you know, if, if chemistry is the science of change, which is what chemistry is, calculus is the mathematics of change. Mm-hmm. Under, understanding how we can predict with precision, uh, Bodies moving through three space, uh, half lives of, uh, uh, of degrading nuclei. It, it's it's fascinating to me when you. This is how we can put somebody to sleep for a surgery, and we know exactly when they're going to wake up. You know, you know exactly how much you need to put in. This is how we know this is because uh, of this these underlying mathematics. It's fascinating. It's um, 
it's just it's it's very well it's, it's interesting it's not fascinating if it was fascinating <laughs> i'd be good at it <laughs> i'm always i'm yeah. always a sucker for movies when people are like just use the math like that's what we do is we solve these problems by just using the math and i'm and i love it and i'm like that's actually really accurate for for many things like so yeah. anything nasa related it's like i just did math and i'm like right. That's well, I'm so intrigued. Cool. Yeah, The Martian, you know, for example. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I'm I'm intrigued by that. I can't do it, but I, I'm really I'm really intrigued by. It. I know how it works, having studied these classes and and you know as an undergrad, but I I have no specific talent for it. So uh, that that's really cool, Tom. You were talking about you have a you know you have a knack for it. It just makes sense for you. So I, I took uh, like I said, Calc one, two, and three, discrete mathematical structures, linear algebra. Uh, differential equations, and I think that was about as far as I went. Uh, did you take calculus at all in high school, or just trig? Uh, just trig, and okay. then I, <laughs> my senior year was just like, yeah, I'm done after this. So I yeah. just took enough classes to be like, I'm going to get to the end, and then there's nothing after high school, right? Right. <laughs> Makes <Maybe>. sense. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know I what? Don't, you, I, I was bad at math. Yeah, hey, you suck. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you were, you were good at stitching up grass, but bad at adding them up. Maybe you should have been a farmer. Farmers? No way, man. I'm good at other things. I know like, you are. Love like loving my friends. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it is the holidays. Tis the season to be merry. There are farmers yeah, who are really good at math. Math is great. I was not good at it. We didn't have a good curriculum there, but uh, that is okay because uh, I appreciate the shit out of it. So. Sure. We all appreciate it, but yeah, it's, it's important to note that if you're going to, and I've talked about this in a previous, previous episode, that if you're going to study this stuff much further than I went, if you to get into actual engineering and actual science classes, once you get past all the baby maths that I took, that's what they call them. Um, you really need to be fascinated by it, which means you need to be super interested and you have to have some level of passion for it, or you have to be a genius like Tom. So that's right. Just yeah. like me. Just like just like Tom. That's what I found out. So. <laughs> All right. OK, well, that's my number three was Zachary. What is your number three? Cuando cuando estaba en la escuela, la clase de español era divertida. Solía saber español, pero no practico mucho. So I used to love Spanish. And when I was in school, it was super fun. Uh, but I don't know Spanish because I don't practice much anymore. Right. But I was fluent for a while. And that all started in seventh grade when I was at a crossroad because I used to play the trumpet. The transition from elementary school to middle school, sixth grade to seventh grade, I played trumpet from fourth, fifth, and sixth, and then I needed to make the decision if I wanted to be in band for seventh and eighth grade and then um, high school. But I was like, I don't know if I want to be in band. I want to learn Spanish because everyone else is doing it, and I think it'd be important. So I signed up for, for Spanish class, and I loved the shit out of it. I did Spanish class in seventh and eighth grade. Then I did Spanish class all throughout high school. So nine through 12. And then in college, I was going to major in Spanish, but I really just wanted to be done quick so I could become a police officer. If I could go sure. back in time, I would just major in Spanish because it was such an awesome language. 
And I still know enough Spanish uh, to get by and can read things and understand most, but I am not confident speaking it. Uh, I can conjugate and I can translate really well, but I am not good at, uh, at, at speaking off the top of my brain if I were to have a conversation. So uh, that is something that I miss immensely, but had, had some pretty awesome Spanish teachers throughout the years. Really just enjoyed the shit out of it. I should just start up Duolingo again or something and, and you know, just get that muscle memory down, just like you're saying with calculus, just train my brain again. And I think I could do pretty well. But yeah, Spanish class was one of my favorites. Uh, That's great. I, I took Spanish for a year. I don't remember a thing. Uh, I also took a semester of German and I remember even less. <laughs> wow. Look at you. Yeah, yeah, just all those languages. I believe I got D's in both those classes, <laughs> which is a passing grade. <laughs> so that's all that matters. I took four semesters of Spanish in college because I needed a second to language to get out. And I learned just enough to pass the classes. And that was about it. Uh, I, tr- the, I tried the, the American way. Yeah. I tried to right? learn more. But but it's so tough, so tough to learn an online thing. But one cool thing that you did is that every week you had to have a you had to have two different conversations over Zoom. One you had to have with your professor and classmates and you had to have like a scripted conversation. We talked about, you know, that was the actual lesson. And then you had to another one. You had to call in and have a 30 minute conversation with a Spanish speaking person in a Spanish speaking country, um, hmm. someone in South America, Latin America or Spain. Um, and you would go over your weekly lesson. They, they would have access to what you learned that week and they'd talk to you about it. And you would, you had to basically stay in character as it were. You had to speak Spanish that entire half hour. And, um, it's, it's definitely interesting and tough. And, you know, it was a little easier because doing it online, I had a bunch of stuff up on my computer in front of me. Like they're just like, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, I, you know, I found websites that help conjugate things a lot better. And um, everything's a tense in that language. Everything past tense, present tense, future tense, whatever. Everything's a tense in that language. A beautiful mm-hmm. language, fun language, fun to speak. Uh, I spoke a bit of it when we went to Peru, quite a bit of it. Uh, but I, it, it's definitely one of those things where I think I lose a bunch of it every day. Hmm. <laughs> you know from not speaking it practice makes yeah. perfect lack of lack of practice you'll just completely like, you'll remember a couple of words the rest you'll just forget forever yep exactly it's the hard thing man it's it's you have to practice otherwise you're kind of sol so all right Tom. Uh, on, to, on to my fourth um yeah. well my next one is actually something i did not take in high school Um, but I took a class recently and wish I did take it in high school. And that is pottery. Uh, me and the wife recently went to do a pottery class because we watched, uh, the great pottery throwdown. And we were like, we got to do a pottery class sometime. If you don't know what the great, uh, pottery throwdown is, it's the great British bake off, but for pottery, (laughs) same thing, British people (laughs) making pottery. Um, and we went to the class and sat down uh, and you throw something on the wheel, you make it, and then he fires it for you. You come back and you glaze it a couple weeks later. Um, and we sat down and he was just like, yeah, just throw it on there and then I'll help you out. And me and Whitney both threw it on there and you got to center it. So you got to get it right in the middle so it doesn't wobble and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and everyone else in the class, he had to help 
center it and he came up to mine and he was like oh yours is good and i was just like oh all right i'm good this. okay <laughs> and then like we started doing our thing and i started to make a cup and i my hands just seemed to know what they were doing to where he came by again and he was like i okay i guess you're you're doing good everyone else he was like helping like even things out and everything but for some reason my hands just knew what to do with clay i know how to form clay into beautiful things wow. uh we're actually we we need to go pick up our things that we made and probably in the next week it'll be done with the glaze um and i will show it off to you guys it's beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing ever. Um, I would like to get into pottery more, but our teacher was like, well, just so you know, it's a very expensive hobby because you have to get lots and lots of clay and you're not going to make great things every time. And it's just going to eat away at your, at, at your, uh, your wallet. So have fun with that. And I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's kind of depressing. Hmm. And it's kind of, it's kind of ha- hard to have your own wheel and your own kiln at home, especially when you live in an apartment. Uh, so we'll see how much pottery I do in the future, but I wish I did it in high school because I remember walking past the pottery class because it was right after my math classes door. If you went down just one more, it was the pottery class. And I wish I would have done that in high school. It's one of those things where you just think, ah, that sounds dumb. And now as an adult, I'm like, no, you're dumb, stupid young Tom. God, I was an idiot. Was it just called pottery class? Yeah. Yeah, I also had a pottery class as well. It was called ceramics, though. That's the only reason I ask. But for mine, I still have a, uh, I, I made like a, a, a mug, a drinking mug, and I put a handle on it and I messed up and I made another handle. So I was like, I'll just put two handles and it looks like a trophy <laughs> and it fits a 16 ounce beer. Well, at the time it was like six, 16 ounce soda or something like that. And yeah, so I still have it. It's called the Chuggalug mug and it has my little engravings on it. I glazed it and you can drink it. It, 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 it holds water. It was fun, man. It was fun working with the clay. Pottery class was great. I, I, I know what you mean. I suck at it. But it wasn't no Patrick Swayze like you are. Uh, well, to be fair, I've made one thing. It might have just been I was good at that one thing. <laughs> we'll see what happens if we ever do it again. Don't sell uh, yourself short, Tom. Yeah, but yeah, I'm going to use it as my coffee mug, although it is quite big. It probably holds like 20 to 24 ounces. <laughs> so it's going to be some big coffees that I'm drinking. There you go. 24 ounce coffees. Delicious. <sighs> need it all right well my number four is a uh intro to engineering course that i took at asu uh this is back before i gave up <laughs> but it was one it was one of the first courses that i i had and the reason i thought it was fascinating is because we talked about hands-on stuff right um and we talked about that part of what engineering is is it's sort of the bleed over between theoretical mathematics right and actual practical hands-on you know where where the two join in where you actually build something one of the coolest things i've done was i made a uh pvc pan flute uh an instrument yeah pvc pan flute the final project was and the and how i knew even if i wasn't going to get the engineering i was going to finish school um final project i had to work with three other people from around the country And as a group, our job was to uh, basically design instruments that you can 
build for cheap materials, like no more than 15 bucks was the idea. No more than like, I think I was the budget, no more than $15 for cheap. That includes tools. The idea is that a student, the, the student band could travel from city to city and actually build their cheap little instruments from scratch and then play a song. Right. St silly premise. Sorry. I, one of these days I'm going to learn to silence my phone before we actually start this thing. Hang on. Silly. Okay. Yeah. Really silly premise. But the idea was to, to coordinate as a group and to design these instruments. They had to be, uh, you had to make a proposal, mathematical proposal showing, you know, the different wavelengths, the different Hertz value of what note you're, you're trying to reach. Um, what song you're going to play. Uh, for it because he had to actually play these instruments that you, you had to build them and they had to work. Um, this was a one-on-one class. This was an, an intro class. Um, this was one of those things where I ended up doing the majority of the work because the group sort of just kind of petered out. Um, but my instrument that I decided was a pan flute and I have it sitting <laughs> over here somewhere. Uh, I have it like sitting Peru. back over here. <laughs> yeah. I have it sitting back over here somewhere and I ended up painting it maroon, which tastes awful. Uh, <laughs> I didn't sand down the, sand down the edges very well. So some are a little, it's very, very rough and I'm not talented at all, but it can play. And, uh, so what I ended up doing was I met, I figured out what frequency I needed to have for, uh, for every note I wanted to play. And then I had, I measured out uh, the tubes that I need, the PVC tubes, and I cut them to the length that I needed them to make that note as I blew in through the, the top of it. And that's how I knew what note was going to come out of it. And I, it took a, a lot of, you know, there's mathematical practice versus actual theory. And I had to play the note and record it back and test it and see if that, that note actually tested to the right frequency I was looking for. Uh, and then my, my partners had to do the same thing with their little instruments. I think one person just made a little string guitar on like a two by four and a couple of nails, cool. like didn't go any further than that. I think one person did a percussion thing um, with like little bars. And uh, I forgot somebody else somehow made like a bass guitar with like a shoebox sort of situation. Mm -hmm. um, and what they ended up doing was rather than have us play it, I'm like, okay, record each note we at we were given sheet, sheet music for it i said okay record each one note of each that you need for your part of the song and send that to me and then what i went in i would i opened up a cheap freeware uh sound whatever creator and i cleaned up the notes and i put together and i literally wrote out the song all four part harmony note by note by note a couple of all-nighters doing that and it came out actually really good. If I find it one of these cool. days, I'll play it for you. Uh, um, it actually came out pretty friggin' good <laughs> for what it was. Uh, we were far and away the best presentation of the whole class. And then I had to actually create a presentation, a video presentation with intro, outro, video editing. That's old hat for me. That's very, very new. Um, I can, I'm a very easy going presenter. I have no problem with that. So uh, we we crossed that uh, assignment, but that was that was a really fun and interesting class. Um, I I've, that was one of the things where I figured if I could just get through the prerequisites, I'll actually enjoy engineering. And then I got to engineering. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I, hate it. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. So intro to engineering, fun class. Intro to engineering. 
Yep. That's uh, I, I do watch some um cla- or some channels on YouTube with uh engineers and they yeah just how creative they are and how efficient they are is so cool and the different things that they're doing I'm like that's so neat like I watch one and you know who he is Mark Robin or something like that um yeah. he beats like arcade games and stuff he builds all these things to beat all the tricks that arcade games have like the ski ball he hits the hundreds each time he can do the pop shot basketball game all these fun stuff i think his name's like mark robin and whatever but he does like a glitter bomb box he he creates one of those and just upgrades it every year it's so cool he probably has one coming out soon but i think yeah. i know who you're talking about now yeah. that you said the glitter box yeah <laughs> i appreciate the engine the engineer so much because they make the world go round absolutely um, yep, that is my number four. What about uh, you, Tom? What's your number four? Or, or Zach, I mean, num- you're number four. Whoa, jumping the gun. Sorry, sorry. So, my bad. No, you're good. So I actually, earlier when I was uh, do- doing my list, I looked through my Google Drive documents and I found a lot of old Word documents I had from college. And I graduated college in 2010. So it's been a while. But um, I was a law and justice major. I wanted to be a police officer. So I took a lot of criminology classes, but also different law classes. And one of the classes I took uh, was so fun. It was called, uh, let me get it right. It was called Crime in the Media. And so what Crime in the Media was, um, is, is we studied, especially in 2009, 2010 time, um, we didn't have as much provocative stuff as we do now. We didn't have TikTok. We barely had Twitter, uh, barely had YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So the media the, was the news, essentially. That's that's your source of, of where you'd see this violence and this crime. Police weren't wearing body cams. People didn't have cell phones that could record things necessarily. Um, so it was just a fascinating case study on how we perceive violence and how we perceive statistics. Um, the ideas of the the Richard Ramirez Night Stalker in the 70s, you know, is is your next door neighbor going to be a killer? Um, all of that kind of stuff. And just the statistics that go behind it, uh, the correlation analysis that we see. It was super cool. One of the projects we did, which was fascinating, was as a group, our thesis was uh, do violent video games incite violence in, in kids? And obviously we were, you know, in our early 20s and it was hard to really um, pinpoint this because we are our minds were matured enough to a point to where we couldn't get a good baseline study because we weren't children. So what we did is we went on and we studied Grand Theft Auto 4 because I think it's the one that was playing at the time and Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 2, not the one that's brand new that came out this year, but before this modern warfare and we played both of those online with people and we would ask them questions as we're playing with them so one kid was 12 and we were playing call of duty with them and we one of the questions we asked him was something along the lines of like how do how do you feel after playing games like this like first person shooters and he's like i just feel really strong and tough is what he said Um, And we kind of like talked about different things, you know, like, did your mom buy this for you? He's like, well, yeah, who else would buy it for me? We're like, well, yeah, sure. But, you know, what does she think? And he's like, she doesn't know what kind of game it is. And um, we did that for Grand Theft Auto and same kind of thing. Ran into some people that were like, yeah, you know, I know I I love this game, but I know how to separate it from the real world. That's what like kids were saying. Sure. And so it was fascinating. And and we use different studies. Um, I think I still have the paper somewhere. I need to uh, review it. But we use studies 
back in the day where, you know, Nancy Reagan, she was creating all those MPAA ratings and, and trying to ban things left and right, saying that video games are going to ruin kids. And they were so incredibly off base. I mean, look at the Columbine shooters. We use those as an example, right? Because they, they shot up the school, they blamed it on Marilyn Manson and Doom and Metallica. It's just, it's insane to me. Um, and so we kind of like, disproved a lot of it which was which was fantastic and do you guys know the most violent video game and based on on how it elicits an emotion the most violent video game out there in 2010 was fifa so based on people's reactions when they play fifa and how they lose or how they win Think about that. Think of a sports game where people slam or break their computers. Now, this is probably different because I would imagine WoW and things like that have been where you just want to break things. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's it's such an interesting study. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's a great thing to talk about, man. That could be a that's 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 a whole conversation unto itself. Violence in video games. I think yeah, culture definitely informs culture. So there's definitely an aspect of that, but. People have been killing people long before video games. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it could be something that excites the, you know, the fantasies of some people and feeds into the delusions of grandeurs of unwell people. But let's not pretend like those people weren't already batshit. Yep. Right. So, yep. I, I mean, I think uh, Penn and Teller actually covered this one time. We we're talking about uh, kids who are playing video games and some folks are like, well, if they're playing these violent video games, they're going to have violent thoughts and they're going to dream violent things. They're going to be violent people. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up taking one kid out to like a shooting range to do his call of duty thing. And he just ended up like weeping because he just couldn't handle like the noise <laughs> of actually firing a weapon. And it's He's like, like, where's yeah. my golden gun? <laughs> it's like, sorry. You know, and they, felt, golden gun. they felt bad showing that they're just like, we feel like assholes for showing this, but it's like, no video games did not desensitize this young man to violence. So, mm-hmm. but some people, some people, maybe it could because, but they were already prone to do that is my point. So that's a, that's a really good subject matter. Did, did anybody yeah. argue in that class that video games are violent? Video games are poor and bad and shouldn't be, should be banned mm-hmm. or be warned. Mm-hmm. There were some, so, there were some people that just didn't, they didn't play men and women that didn't play video games that were like, I just don't see the point of it. Um, and they were trying to use, yeah. uh, you know, uh, correlation is causation. And we were like, no, no, no. as you can see from this study and albeit it's a small study, but I think it's a microcosm for the bigger scale conversation that it's, it's asinine to find this as a blame when there are so many external factors like your upbringing, your accessibility to, to armed, you know, to weapons. Um, the, obviously this is before all the mass shootings and stuff where now you can, you know, there's a shooting like every week pretty much and it's publicized. And so the data has drastically changed in the past 13 years, but, but it still was a baseline for kind of where we were all thinking of there's no way in hell that violent video games exacerbate this at all. Um, But in to play devil's advocate, there's not really a true way to measure it fully. Um, So, but I, I mean, I love violent video games. I just love video games in general, but I just know sure. that it, I can turn them off and be like, okay, that was a video game. So, right. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Okay. I do get yeah. pissed off. So crime in the media. Was, oh no. I, I, I get <laughs> rip shit pissed off too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mario, Mario cheats. 
Was yeah. that from Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yeah, we <laughs> also <laughs> cheats. Stupid game. We also, you know, studied like domestic violence and stuff because it was in, in a law and justice class, and um, the domestic violence was how it was portrayed through TV. And we listened to "Better Man" by Pearl Jam because do you know that that song is about domestic violence? When you listen yep. to the lyrics, um, it is also one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs of all time, just because it's yeah. really well done. But yeah, it's fantastic. It's 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 all about you know uh, a woman standing up to an abuser and getting at, getting the hell out of there, and uh, love it. Yeah. Crime in the media. That's a that's a that's a good class. Interesting. Yeah. Tommy, right, Tom, you know what else five. is a, Yeah, you know what else is a good class? What is? Uh, photography. Now, this is one of the ones where. Like Eric said with uh, whatever one he said before, um, I'm not good at photography. I wasn't in high school. I was bad at it. But I enjoyed the process of developing film. I've always enjoyed things like that, like when it comes to doing the dishes. I love doing the dishes. I just like doing the the process of it. I, that's where my mind goes to escape. And I always sure. loved going into the dark room and just processing my terrible terrible photos that i don't know how to frame things and they tried to teach me and i did not learn um because that's another class where i got i think i got to see in that um and i remember going to i had to like i don't even remember what the project was but the idea was that halloween i had gone as buckethead to a halloween or to a halloween <laughs> party so i had the kfc bucket and the white mask and we borrowed Mike's guitar and me and Gordy went to a playground and I took pictures of him like standing on top of the uh, the monkey bars, like playing the fake playing the guitar because he doesn't know how to play guitar. But uh, and I, I know I still have those pictures somewhere, just like in a folder of just like him. The way that I developed it, it looks like he's kind of like there's like a cloud below him. I think I just did a terrible job of developing them, <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed that class so much because you can just take pictures of anything. I would just walk around and with my stupid camera and take pictures of stuff. And sometimes my teacher would be like, "Oh, that's good," and it's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. That is not a good picture." Uh, so yeah. Photography. We can all do it on our phones now. Cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? That's. I mean, we can all do it, but it's not like we're all good at it. And I mean, no. You know, <laughs> my buddy. You know, our our buddy Jake Yard. You know, he's gotten into photography. He's he's really talented at. It. He's done a lot of, uh, gotten into a lot of editing. He's really he's good at it. You know, he's really worked at it. And uh, we got a friend Tiffy, who's she's uh, like she does her holiday photos for you know the cars and things like that. Um, you know, I, I know some people who do it and they've, they really, they think about it. They read about it. They read journals about it, read blogs about it. They watch videos about it. You know, that's their thing. It's, you know, bless them. Um, not my thing. <laughs> I'm just not that there's not even all that many pictures of me come to think of it. <laughs> I just don't, I don't do a whole lot of selfies and people, I'm not that for people are, you know, dying to take a photo. of. Me. Nope. <laughs> I mean, you guess. don't do I selfies. Don't. Not really. <laughs> I've done a couple, but not really. Not many. Uh, I took no few pictures. pictures. Like we, when we went to Italy, it, like I took maybe thirty pictures total in a you know thirteen day span. Yeah. And Whitney had, <laughs> when she put it on the computer, I think it was like over a thousand pictures 
because she would take pictures of everything and anything. You yeah. come to a, a street, you're going to take a picture of each direction at the yep. four-way stop. And it's just like, we're trying to get to lunch. Why aren't we getting to lunch quicker? Take <laughs> one know. picture and let's walk. <laughs> I was doing that too in Peru. I was guilty of that yeah. myself. But I was trying to live in the moment while I was there. But I, I became keenly aware. I reminded myself that I'm no good at this, this photography. <laughs> I'm sure these pictures will turn out. Hey, back in the day, man, they used to have slideshows and they'd have the photo albums. You'd come over and you'd sit and sit on the couch and flip through their photo album that they printed out. And be like, here's our, you know, we went to this place and here they are the pictures. Now we just put our shit on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Easy. <laughs> All right. Well, my number five is rhetoric. Rhetoric was, if I had a singular focus with my English degree, it was rhetoric. Uh, I don't know how really to... In the importance of rhetoric, it's one of those things that I really feel like it should be at least introduced at the high school level. Um, Aristotle defines rhetoric as is he's known as the father of rhetoric. He describes it as it's the faculty of discovering in any particular case all of the available means of persuasion. So essentially, it is the study of the language of persuasion. Specifically, my course of study was rhetoric and leadership. Uh, you guys know I'm fascinated with history. You know, I'm fascinated with politics. Um, I, I, of course, knowing when somebody's trying to sell you something or when, when somebody's trying to hide something to obfuscate or when somebody's just completely full of crap, this is an important thing to learn. Um, we all think we're really good at it and we're not at all. We're not good at it. Uh, we are, it's so easy to lie to ourselves. Um, but in rhetoric, there are a number of tropes to look out for. There are things that speechwriters uh, keep going back to the well for, uh, and you learn to identify those. And then you also learn in these courses, you learn to identify your own biases. Um, one, so one uh, assignment that I had had uh, was I had studied uh, speeches given by Malala. If you remember Malala, mm-hmm. she was the young Pakistani girl who was shot by the Taliban. And uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, who was, uh, she was speaking, I can't remember where she was speaking. Uh, I think it was at the UN um, where she was speaking out about their lack of action about climate change. And their ages were f- relatively, you know, within a few years of each other, young girls in front of a lot of very powerful men uh, speaking their truth as it was. And part of what we want to do was talk about how gender, age, religion, how they all they all matter in terms of perception and how they're how they're perceived. Where Malala, she stood in front of the UN, and she was sort of she spoke powerfully, but she also had humility. She was just one girl among many. She was speaking, you know, uh, to her brothers and sisters. She expressed immediately the first thing she did was she expressed gratitude to her elders for having her there. And you could see that they were very impressed to hear this young woman who had just been shot in the head for love's sake and and up there talking about respect and decency and and education and how it's so important. And she made a real, you know, real pathos choice there. And if Malala, I said, if Malala channels Martin Luther King, then Greta goes full Malcolm X. (laughs) Like (laughs) Greta went totally the other direction. She has no interest in humility. She's, she's going for the shock factor. She's angry. 
She's actually pissed. She is rip shit pissed off. She is visibly shaking with rage, but it's real. <laughs> you can tell she is shaking in rage. It's genuine. And the audience picks up on that genuine emotion. People can pound their fist at the table, whatever. So um, I, so I had, uh, you know, studies like that stu- studies. Like I did a uh, one thing I covered uh, uh, Trump's um, rhetoric toward the nation during the entire pandemic from the, uh, December of yeah, December right before it kicked off to uh, right near the end of his term of office. Basically, I took a snip of every single one of his tweets or public statements that he made regarding the coronavirus from like February 10th all the way through to just like the week before the election. And I show three specific. This was like my final uh my final paper that was worth like 25% of my grade. Uh, the, the, I broke it down to three parts, the outbreak portion of what he was saying, the shutdown portion of what he was saying. And then the, the third part was just his meltdown where he basically just, he was in full damage control mode at that point. He was just completely gave up on being, <laughs> being president at that point. Uh, so I have these snips over here. Uh, and, and it's, it's a rhetorical breakdown of basically what not to do if you're the leader of the free world in a crisis, what not to do if you're a leader at all in a crisis. Uh, I think it's one of the better things I've ever put together. Um, Rhetoric is a fascinating class. I think every high school student should study some rhetoric at some point so that they, they, they learn to identify these little rhetorical signposts along the way. So they know when someone's trying to pull something over, get something past them. It's very valuable information. So rhetoric is my final one. I like it. And uh, Greta Thunberg, I, <clears throat> I, I love the shit out of her. So like Donald Trump was tweeting at her cause he's an idiot. He tweeted at everybody, but uh, back in December 12th, uh, when she was, you know, very in, in the height of her probably popularity and her just really coming onto the scene, I should say, um, he was like, he tweeted so ridiculous. Greta must work on her anger management problem. Then go to a good old fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. And then so Greta had an amazing clap back because when Trump lost the election and he was claiming fraud, she put so ridiculous. Donald must work on his anger management problem. Then go to a good old fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Donald, chill. <laughs> Love <laughs> clapbacks like that. And she is uh, she's she's quite amazing. So I like your comparison between her and the Malala with the the Malcolm X and the MLK aspect. Um, very well said. So thank you. Yeah, it's like I studied rhetoric. I know. It's Always. almost like <laughs> you have a rapist wit and a, and a sharp rhetoric. <laughs> okay. I've always had a way with words, but yes, rhetoric is a fascinating subject matter. So Cool. You're a Zach. cunning linguist. Thank you. <laughs> what is your number five? Uh, all right. I'll just jump to it in, in the sake of time. Film study. Um, I love film study. Everybody knows I love movies. I'm the movie guy. And I did film study in community college and in uh, university college, and it was fantastic. We broke down and analyzed film. We learned how to observe things differently. I also used my other friend, Mark, who is a filmmaker, to help me understand things better. And then the great invention of YouTube to guide me along the way. But yeah, film study is amazing. Watching various movies, talking about it. <clears throat> I had a hybrid class in... in um, uh, community college that was uh, film appreciation and English. So we had to write about the film. And so that was really neat. Uh, we got to break things down a little differently and really pick up on on different meaning of film. And so 
I think that that helps me when I watch movies to really grasp grasp a little more than just the surface level stuff. Uh, but it's been great. I would love to do more film classes. Shit, just even as like a side project, I would love to do a film class. I think it would be so cool. And one day, maybe one day, I'll go and teach a film class, even though I don't know everything. You know enough to teach it. Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit. So intro to cinema. Just a little bit. Intro to cinema. Intro to cinema. Cinnabon. That would be my class. Oh, film, it's film history. Would be, it's how you walk into Cinnabon and order the cinnamon bites. Film history would be a fun class to take. It'd be super fun. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah, from the the old silence to get to the talkies. Oh yeah. All the really talkies. Cool. <laughs> Study the golden age of Hollywood. Learn all the all those people. Mm-hmm. Study you know in, the impact they had on America at that time. Exactly. Yeah, that would be fun. So. Man, I think that does about just man. We did this is kind of a longer episode. That just about does it, everybody. Well, hey, thanks you, uh, thanks you guys for your participation, talking about and going to different directions there. I like how we just had a little bit of crossover, but uh, we went we're very different people, the three of us, and I'm sure our listeners are also very very different people. But uh, I I would like it if anybody who's listening to this go ahead and respond on Twitter at any of us and just let us know what if you had any classes that were just. That was just your favorite. Anything that was specifically uh, weird or different that reached you for any given reason, let us know because we're always fascinated by that stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, and at SnackBurglar, that's me, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we're crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thank you, and remember, it is okay to be wrong, even though you think you're right. Those that can't do, teach. And those that can't teach, teach Jim. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.